are the content rebels. We've got zero time for busy work that masquerades as marketing, and we're done with losing the impact of our big message just to satisfy some SEO or social media algorithm rules. This is a show about marketing for established soloish entrepreneurs who want to build real relationships with clients online. Join me each week as we make your content work for you. Hey, hey, friends, we are going to talk about repurposing today because, well, as I am in the season of doing every other week podcast production, I'm actually repurposing a lot more of my older content on my in-between weeks, and I'm loving it. Honestly, it's giving me so much space. I'm going to be using the space for a couple things. I am writing a book. I'm finally, a year later, going to start writing the book rather than just stare at the outline and say, if only I had time right now, right? (laughs) But uh, beyond that, I'm also in the process of launching a small scale cut flower farm. And, you know, having a little more space for me to do these projects that I've wanted to do for a while is, is important to me as a creative, but it's also important to me in the way I serve clients because it gives me a better breadth of understanding for people who are making content work, even though they don't really have time to make content work, right? And with that comes the idea of repurposing. I fully believe in repurposing. I want to start this episode out by saying that. And also, there is a downside of repurposing. And that is what we are going to be talking about today. Because here's the deal. I am a huge fan of repurposing content. I mean, my flagship offer is helping service providers like you use evergreen content repurposed in thoughtful ways so that you aren't tied to the content creation hamster wheel. But there's a downside, and that downside is one single sneaky little word that I hid in that previous statement. The word is thoughtful, okay? So many gloss over this word, and it's. I think it's because thoughtful means that there's intention and there is strategic thinking behind repurposing. And my sneaky little belief here is that when it comes to repurposing, you've already put so much work into content creation. You're like, oh, I'll just do that one. That one was great. And you repost it. And you think you're done. And I'm here to tell you, you're probably not done at that stage. (laughs) Sorry, don't kill the messenger. I feel like I've said that a lot lately on this show, but this is content real talk. This This is us talking about uncommon content. And being uncommon means that we have to take a hard look at what we're doing and making sure that it really does make sense for us. So. With that, we're going to be talking about repurposing and the downside to repurposing today. Before we do that, however, I do need to take a brief little foray and talk about what the three R's of repurposing are. And I've talked about repurposing content quite a bit. If you want a full scope of this particular topic, I highly suggest you check the show notes. I'm going to have a link to a full blog post. It was not a podcast episode. It was just a blog post. It's called The Complete Guide to Repurposing Content with Examples. And it's meant truly for service providers like you, not people who have big teams, not people who are you know running marketing teams of five, but people like you who are doing this completely by yourself or with a very small team. And I want to cover the three R's because I want to make sure we are starting off on the same page when we talk about the downside to repurposing in knowing what repurposing content really is, right? So those three things are recycling, reposting, and reusing. Uh, The first of those is reposting, and this is straight up regurgitation of content that you've already used in the past. You're simply repurposing it by reposting it, and you're doing this to get it in front of fresh eyes. You know, maybe someone didn't see it the first time because of an algorithm issue, or maybe they weren't in your audience at all and never had a chance, but you know it's good. 
you know they need to see it, and you use this yeah, thoughtfully, yes, strategically, but you use it to get in front of fresh eyes. That's the easiest one. If you're going to do only one, that is the easiest. There is a caveat to that. We'll circle back to it in a few minutes. The second is recycling. And this is my favorite kind of repurposing it. The reason it's my favorite is because sometimes you publish a piece of content and you know it's good and it's getting some traction, but maybe it's not hitting your whole audience. I like to repair it at this point with a different intro story or a different hook, if you want to call it that, a different way to kind of capture attention and and get people involved in the main point of your piece of content in the first place. Now, I use a lot of chicken stories and I'll be using one today, but sometimes people are like, not really into hearing about chickens today. I also use a lot of stories about my kids or homeschooling my children and sometimes even some of our special education things for my youngest. I have learned so many business lessons through occupational and speech therapy, for example, and they're relevant. But if you don't resonate with some of that terminology or language, you might tune out before you get to the big point, right? So sometimes repairing our good content and inserting a different analogy in the original's place is a great way to recycle that main idea and use it differently. And again, reach a larger segment of your audience. The third is simply reusing your content in a different way so that it's more appropriate for different kinds of platforms. And this is probably something you're familiar with as well, right? You have some sort of content channel, whether that's a blog, a podcast, or a video channel, and you've got your big content piece. And you are now going to take one element of that content piece and go put it into a LinkedIn post. Or you're going to take one clip from your video channel and put it on an Instagram reel or TikTok. Those are simple reusing your content in different ways, not reposting the whole thing, not changing the story, but making it more appropriate for the delivery channel that you're currently on. You know, we most of us hang out in more than one place, right? We probably have our big content publishing channel where we spend a lot of time, but our people maybe don't spend a lot of time there. So we're using other channels where we like to build relationships, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, what have you, right? And we're using that as a way to get eyes on our big content pieces. There's ways we got to do that. There's algorithmic things that we got to play to. These days you can't post links anywhere, for example, but that is how we can reuse it. So quick, quick uh, recap there. Three R's of repurposing. We have recycling, reposting, and reusing. And again, I just want to reiterate, I'm going to have a link in the show notes to the full guide that includes way more details and examples on each of those. But I want us all on the same page because when I say that there's a downside to repurposing, I'm specifically going to be talking about one of those three R's and that is the reusing it in different ways. Because here's the deal, friends, that big content piece from your main published channel, it might be something you wholeheartedly believe in. It might be something you know your audience needs to know, but uh, maybe it's just not resonating. Maybe you've tried a few different hooks or analogies or stories and they're they're still not hitting. Uh, maybe your audience isn't ready for the information that you don't know, you know they really do need, right? <laughs> like there's there's various reasons why you could end up with kind of a turd of a content piece. And I am using the word turd very intentionally here because we've all heard the phrase polishing a turd. It's a little gross. So I'm going to ask you to kind of ride with me here. Repurposing a large turd into smaller turds isn't going to change the amount of turdiness. Yeah, making up words here, turdiness, right? It's still going to be a smelly mess. And uh, I'm going to push the chicken analogy just a little bit here, but I think we can probably agree a hundred small turds are usually worse than one big one. 
So let's talk about this on the chicken side just for a brief moment here, right? When an acquaintance comments to me that they'd love to have chickens, but they sound like so much work, I'm I'm always kind of surprised because I don't have a dog yet. We're getting one in less than a month, so I'll probably have dog stories here soon. soon. I don't have a dog yet, but we've been dog sitting for my dad and his wife quite a bit over the last year. And uh, one of those trips was, you know, more than 10 days. Like, like I, I have an idea of how much work a dog takes. And I'm telling you, a dog takes way more work than chickens take. Uh, my husband's pretty much figured out a once a week system with our chickens. He refills their water tank once a week. He refills their food once a week. We check it here and there just to make sure, you know what I mean? But like, it's not really that hard. Same thing with the whole poop and turd situation, right? Like we only deal with that once a week. In the summer, you know, by the end of that week, it gets a little smelly. But, um, you know, in the cooler season, which is the majority of Oregon here, we really don't have to do a whole lot with our chickens. They're pretty easy. On the other side, my dad's dog. Uh, Good sized walks a couple times a day. That poop situation, way worse than chickens. Just going to throw that out there. Uh, He's needy. Uh, He's also a scavenger. So if you leave any food out anywhere in the house, I promise you, he will find it. And while not every dog is like that, they've all got their quirks, right? I mean, it's a thing. So whatever kind of pet you have, you probably understand this whole analogy that if you don't deal with the poop, it gets into a big, smelly mess. And all of those smelly turds can attract pests and they can introduce disease and the whole deal. And we're probably at the risk of this podcast being my grossest episode ever. So I'm going to wrap that up there and just say, Managing the turds early on means less mess. That means less mess for chickens or less mess for dogs or your cat. And it means less mess for your content as well. Yes, circling back to repurposing content here. Because that is the thing about cleaning up, right? You've got to do it regularly or it's going to get out of hand real quick. And, And I am convinced, by the way, this is why so many people don't host parties because the cleanup after is so intense. That cleanup piles up. And when you have like three times as many people in your house, it piles up real quick. And it feels like this like albatross of a situation to deal with in the end. It's also why people hire bookkeepers. They can't stay on top of it regularly. And come tax time, they're in a huge mess too. This situation extends beyond pets, right? And yet, strangely, when it comes to content, I feel like people generally forget about this. They're not regularly measuring their content. So they don't have any way to weed out the turds. Yes, there are turds of your content, even if you believe in them, even if you want them to work, they're still there. And and if you're not measuring regularly, it's really hard to, you know, see the forest for the trees. I'm getting into analogy hell here. But uh, when someone suggests measuring in a thoughtful way, it just, it feels like too big of a problem because you haven't maintained it throughout time. And so they hear that they should be repurposing old content to lighten that marketing load. And they think, yeah, it's a great idea. But then you guessed it, they end up repurposing a turd. That is a problem. So if you are taking that one big content piece from your main publishing channel and you're repurposing it to all of your social channels, and if you're pairing the main idea with like a new analogy, like this this applies to all of them. It definitely applies to just straight up reposting an old bad piece, right? No matter which three R you're using, this becomes a problem, but it can become a bigger problem and quicker when you're reusing that content in different ways. Because you might end up tanking, at least for a short while, your social following on one of your channels if you keep pushing this content piece that isn't doing well and not doing the hard work that it should be doing for your business, right? That's a good way to measure. I'm not going to talk about the content ROA dashboard too much here. 
if you want one of those, I do always have availability to make one for you. It's a really great way to stay up with measuring your content. Other than that, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it. You need to have a way to measure your content so that you don't fall into this trap. I want you to be able to lean on your evergreen content, but you can only throw a content piece into your evergreen rotation once you know it's not a turd. And to do that, you do have to measure. So that that is that. Now, I don't want this to be like a whole doom and gloom episode. Not at all. There is an upside to repurposing, especially for us solo-ish service provider businesses. We don't, again, we don't have content teams. We, we don't have PR and media departments. Man- managing any regular content production is an effort. So when we hear we can create one video or one podcast a week, and, and even if the co- podcast itself isn't hit, we can chunk it out into other forms of media. It sounds like this heaven sent gift. And it is if you're measuring your content. If you're honing in the strategic content that you've created and making sure that that thing you thought landed well really did land well. That's why we measure. And then that thing that landed well, you know, actually did its job in bringing leads into your audience or growing your audience by nurturing people into joining your world. That's what our content should be doing. So it's not just that it landed well with your audience, it's that it also started doing some of those other jobs in your business. One, building your pipeline by generating actual leads ready to work with you when you have your next opening. Or two, growing your audience by sharing that good content, by telling people about it, by using it to bring more people into that consideration stage before they're in the I'm ready to buy stage. Those are the two jobs your content should always be doing, nurturing your people or creating actual leads. So if we're not measuring those two pieces of each content, we are in danger of repurposing turds. And in that case, you may as well not be posting at all because you're probably losing people in the process, right? So we don't want to end up in that boat. There are simple ways around this. First, before you choose what to repurpose and when to repurpose it, look. Look and see how it's been working for you. Are people mentioning that particular idea? Are your clients familiar with this concept before they're working with you? Those are really good non-measurement signs that this content is working for you. Measurement signs you can see in your, you know, social media app statistics, you can see on a dashboard, wherever you choose to measure, you need to be paying attention to these things before you move into the repurposing area of your business content. Okay? Here's the big idea of this episode. Before you repurpose, just make sure that your original content is doing its intended job first. And then repurpose to your heart's content. All right, friends, uh, that's it for this week. Yes, there's no content easy button from a couple weeks ago, and there is a downside to repurposing. But when you've figured out the combination of these two things, when you have mapped out your content, shown up and honed it in, you will achieve this uncommon content golden zone where things do get easier. There's always caveats to everything, right? No process is completely smooth. But that honing in stage really smooths your way so that it does feel like it's easier. It's easier to show up. It's easier to build your audience. It's easier to have people ready and waiting for you to work when your next opening is available. That's my goal for you. And that's why I believe in uncommon content so, so strongly. All right. See you in a couple weeks. 
If you found value from this episode, there are two things you can do to thank me. The first is share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode, you learned something from it, odds are you know somebody who needs to hear this message. I do truly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if you help that friend with something that they need to do, we're going to have less crappy marketers out there, which means less scams, and we get to help more people in those ways that we uniquely are meant to help them. The second thing you can do is leave a rating on whichever podcast app you are listening to the show on right now. Doing that helps me reach more people, getting, again, this same great information out there, and we all make a better, happier, effective, and ethical world as a result. Thanks so much. See you guys in a couple weeks.